This morning we talked about one of the foolish strategies. Just a second, we'll make sure everyone has one. We talked about one of the foolish strategies that used by a person that in Hebrew is called the Kesil. I spelled it K-E-C-I-Y-L because that's one one way to phoneticize the Hebrew into English. But if you like to spell it another way, you can. Now this person has a, a strategy for getting what they want out of life. They look ahead, see things that they think they really want, and the way they're going to get there is they're going to find a magic key. Somehow, they won't have to work. Somehow, it's not going to take years of dedication. Somehow, they'll, they'll, they'll make some breakthrough, and they're going to achieve their dreams. How many of you have both handouts? Okay, good. How many of you need, you stand in need of prayer? That's all of us. How many of you need handout four? Got several up here in the front. If you need four, put your hands up. If you need three, put your feet up. Okay, how many more need four? One in the back? Yes, I see your hand. How about five? How many of you still need five? Five in front? Five on the side? Five in the middle? Thanks for all your help in handing these out. We were going to put them on the seat early, but I did not get here early. So thank you guys for all the work handing them out. Anybody still need four? Anybody need five? A few back in the back. Yes. We're, we're talking about fools. Not, not in terms of people that, you know, we'd sort of look down on, but in terms of people who've decided to pick a strategy for life that's just not going to work given who God is and how He's made the world and how He runs the universe. Uh, as we, as we talk about fools, uh, you need to realize the patterns that we're talking about tend to develop over a time. Uh, what begins in your twenties comes, comes into really full blossom in your 50s. Uh, some of the things we start early grow and develop, develop new branches until they dominate our lives. These tend to be the general patterns the human race tends to fall into as it tries to achieve what it wants without really taking God into serious consideration. As we looked at um, Casile this morning, we talked about that person being an opossum. You know, if you, if you want to sort of assemble to hang this in your mind, It'd be the opossum playing dead. Uh, the the Casillo's got a problem with laziness and then not telling the truth in order to excuse themselves and sort of slip through circumstances that come that and trouble that comes out of their laziness. 
Now, sometimes they turn into aggressive liars. Uh, they slander people to get even. At the end of the section on the Castillo, I, I made a statement about psychology. Uh, this, could, this probably sets the stage for what's called manic depression or more and more called bipolar disorder. Psychology looks at the human condition and tries to explain it without any reference to God or the, or the spiritual nature for the vast majority of it. That's actually, it's affirmed the purpose in its early days. I just begin to understand that we are spiritual beings and there is a God in heaven and earth and our lives have been made for him. Uh, sometimes you go at solving problems from a different angle from mere psychology. I'm not saying this this is the manic depressive, but it sure sure fits a lot of the, pra- the patterns. Getting high over the new hope and getting so low when it doesn't pan out. Uh, if you if you get into these highs and lows, what you need to do is set your hope on something that will succeed, not just a simple short-term, oh, I hope. Uh, you, you need to get to understand who God is. The, the person who's been the opossum, if you want to put another middle image in your pla- in place of it, they need to become a beaver. You know, in American society, that's the animal that symbolizes diligence and building something. Diligence, hard work, and building something. I don't know if you've ever gone into a, an area around the lake where beavers have been. But man, they, they cut down some serious trees. And they don't do it in one bite. It takes a lot of gnawing. And they're just wired to go after it and build dams and create structures. We talk about, we have the, the comparison, busy as a beaver. That's what needs to happen to the casino. They need to learn how to work hard and be, dil- be diligent and truthful. Now we're going to take a look. I promised you would take a look at the, the badger. And that's what we're going to look at next. The evil fool. E-V-I-Y-L. If you'd like to spell it another way, welcome, my friend. Uh, the way it's really spelled, you could, most of you couldn't write anyway, and I'd have a hard time because it's done in Hebrew. Uh, so you can make up your own if you'd like. Uh, the evil is a step down. It's a step further away from wisdom in the way the scriptures present this person. They also build out of the same basic folly that Casile has. There's this stubborn determination to have my own way. Now, the Casile is going to get his way by lying and <laughs> deceiving and, and hoping against hope that something will come through. But they, they're determined to have their way. But by the way, how's the temperature in here for you? How many of you are too warm? Okay, all the guys. Some of the ladies. How many of you are just right? How many of you are freezing? A couple. It's a normal group. Uh, we may need some doors open before a little bit later uh, so that I don't go to sleep in the middle of my own message. <laughs> We're going to go through uh, four more fools. The, we've talked about the easy way person. The avial fool is the adversarial way. There's a fun way person, a glory way person, and then a predatory way person. 
We're going to talk about all of these. As we go through them, you, you may discover that you yourself are sort of the mix between two of them, or at least the things that call to your heart are. Um, so rather than putting yourself in one category or the other, what you might do is check some of the things in different categories that you either struggle with or you recognize in your past, or, or that right now just really <laughs> call to you. Identify those things so that you can deal with them. You know what they are and you can deal with them. Now, let's launch into it. The adversarial way, the avial fool. This person is absolutely determined to have what they want, just like the Casillo. Uh, but there's a difference in the way they go about it. The scripture says, stone is heavy and sand a burden. Boy, you got to carry, if you ever carried big rocks, and they really are heavy. But you get a bag of sand on your back, and that is really, really heavy. Provocation by an avial, that's the avial fool, is heavier than both. Boy, if it's hard to carry big rocks on your shoulders, and if it is really tough to stagger along under a load of sand, this person, the way they impact your life, it's worse than carrying a big bag of sand and rocks on top of it. They are almost impossible to bear with. But uh, they're very, very prevalent. Let's dig further. Here's a, here's a profile of the Avil. In terms of their general perspective on life, the, the Casillo, the one we looked at earlier, that person just feels like God's not going to be a factor. They can go ahead and create their strategies and get what they want. Now, the Avil, as they're presented in Scripture is a person who just really doesn't have any real experience of God. I mean, they might profess to believe in God or, or might not. But if you just look into the background uh, of the of the full-blown fool, they, they just don't have any real experience with God. He's just sort of not in their category. Uh, their value, what they value, they're really proud of their stubbornness. It's a high value with them. I've had people tell me before, how proud they are of their stubbornness and of their family's stubbornness. How they value it, and they value getting their way. Uh, particularly, their way. Not, not just what I want, but my way of going about it. I want it done my way. As a matter of fact, you can summarize this person as my way or the highway. Uh, the Casillo... He has these big dreams for stuff out there in the future, honor and, and all these wonderful possessions he's going to have. He just won't work hard to get them. But this person's not so much focused way out there on all the wonderful things they'll get. They, they look at a situation and decide how things really ought to be done. And they're determined that other people are going to do it that way. It's my way. Uh, you could even say that this is the my way fool. Like a seal, he, he wants his goals out there. He wants those things. But this particular person, they, they just sort of know what really ought to be done, and everybody ought to do it my way. Their values, stubbornness, and getting my way. Another way of saying that is control. I want things done the way they ought to be done. My way. Their attitude... Uh, they are stubborn people. They're oppositional. 
You say yes. I say no. You say out. No. I say in. You say stop. I say go. No matter what comes up, they're, they're just oppositional. They're, they're, they're bullheaded, stubborn. Uh, they're determined. These people do not give up. The Casile, he gets tired real easy. He's got to either rest or play. But these people, they are bound and determined. They will not quit. Uh, they are also reactive. Uh, they're highly reactive. As a matter of fact, uh, their key tool in life is getting upset. You can say something and boom, they react and get upset. Circumstances don't quite go right and boom, they're upset. Uh, they're very easily upset. As a matter of fact, provocation in the verse I read earlier, Proverbs 27, 3 at the top of the page, uh, literally is upset. The upset by a fool or upset of a fool, of a neville, is heavier than both. They are people who get easily upset, and boy, they upset everyone else around them. And they are so oppositional, they are so stubborn, they are so easily upset that people just tiptoe around them. Uh, their characteristics, rebellious. Uh, are you rebellious? I mean, we all have a streak of it, but are you proud of your rebellion? You just sort of take a little subtle pride in it on the inside. Well, hello, Badger. Uh, they're adversarial. They, they are very quick to go opposed to someone. They're, they're very quick into an argument. They, they again... If the group is going this way, they're very likely to go this way, just on principle. Now, they become adversaries to you real quick. They're controlling. Uh, they want, like I said, they want things done their way. That means control. Uh, and they're manipulative. Actually, this whole thing of getting upset is just one way to manipulate you. I mean, they really are upset. But, you know, if, if, you, if you know someone who just gets upset real easy, then how, how do you respond to them? Well, most of us, we tiptoe around them. We try not to upset them. People say things like this, don't tell mama about this or she is going to blow. Uh, if they work in an office, people develop strategies for getting around this person. Because if anything doesn't go the way they think that ought to, they are upset. Whether or not they're in charge. They're, they're, they're a belligerence and their oppositional adversarial attack is a way of really pushing other people back and making them do what they want. So you get upset. You're actually manipulating. I mean, there are things that ought to upset us. But if you're the person who specializes in getting upset, you're out to control. And you need to identify it, and there's some steps you can take. Uh, generally, their performance, how they act in life, they despise wisdom. They're impossible to teach. These verses in Proverbs say that uh, 
it is complete folly. It is total silliness to try to teach one of these people because they will resist instruction. You cannot teach them. You also, the verse implies, you cannot use them as teachers uh, because what they'll teach is they'll teach everybody how to be stubborn and adversarial. Now, they're absolutely convinced their way is the correct one. Now, the, the Casile, he, he just really loves his own opinion. He thinks he's right on just about everything. But this person is not so much of the opinion that they're just sort of right on stuff, but their way is the way things ought to be done. And they're determined uh, people will do it. Verbally, uh, verbally, the Casile we talked about, the easy way guy, they have a hard time keeping their mouth shut. You know, they just sort of gush on impulse, whatever happens to come on their mind. Uh, this person has some control over their tongue. Uh, scripture says they have enough sense to keep quiet in discussions about wisdom. Uh, they, they don't, it's too, it's too deep for them. They have enough sense to keep quiet. Uh, but they tend to be chatterers. To chatter means to talk endlessly about meaningless stuff. Uh, the, the Casillo, they tend to just gush. They get a big idea and just sort of gush and spout off about things. But this person doesn't so much gush and spout. They just constantly talk. Uh, several times they're called chatterers. And Scripture talks about their chattering. Uh, they especially will be the people at the back of a room whenever instruction is going on, whether in a meeting like this or maybe a classroom at the university. They're the people in the back of the room talking to each other while the teacher's talking. You know why? Because they just feel like they ought to have their own way. Uh, scripture says that they're the ones chattering when instruction's being handed out. Uh, if you deal with them personally, many, many times you'll find this individual just has a constant stream of conversation. It's one way of controlling what's going on in their relationships with other people. If you can't get a word in edgewise, they have control. You know, people who can, where I grew up, they talk about people who could talk your leg off. Just that constant, constant chatter. It's a control mechanism. Uh, they also tend to be arrogant um, in their verbal handling of others. Scripture says, in their mouth is a rod of pride. They don't mind laying into people and, and, and speaking rather arrogantly to them. Particularly if it's they think certain things need to be done, and you got to be doing this. The Casillo, he just sort of gushes, and whenever he really gets rolling, you know, he's going from weirder to weirder. But this person tends to be harsh and and hard on people. Uh, in their relationships, this is one of the ways you especially recognize them, and their strategy. They're very easily upset. They are quick to quarrel. The the, the Casillo get into quarrels. But this person, they're known for their quarrels. Something comes up and they are off like that, ready to go at it. Uh, they'll even, if something, if an issue comes up and everybody says, well, maybe we better not talk about that. They're the kind of person who'll say, what, what do you mean? And they, they keep picking at this thing and picking at it and picking at it until finally a quarrel erupts. They just won't let things go. Uh, they are resentful. They're known for many quarrels. They have a reputation. 
Uh, they're resentful people. Uh, Job 5.3 says that their, their upset, resentful kind of upset is, is ultimately going to be the death of them. Uh, whenever, whenever someone hurts them, they do not forget. And they resent it and resent it and resent it on and on and on. They're unforgiving. Scripture says they mock at forgiveness. They mock the idea of forgiving sin. Uh, whenever they're hurt, they carry that grudge to their grave unless Christ Jesus intervenes. And they will not forgive. I, I, I offended a person one time, or a circumstance happened where they got offended. And um, one of their possessions was uh, destroyed. And I offered to pay the person uh, double what it was worth. And they wouldn't take it from me. You know why? Because they wanted to hate me. If I, if I paid double for it and they took it, they'd have to let that go. They didn't want to. And we hang, this type of person hangs on to stuff. Uh, it may show a little bit early, but as they age, it gets worse and worse and worse. They're unforgiving. Because of that, they're surrounded by ill will. Uh, the scripture, this verse that, that's uh, indicated here, it says that the righteous are surrounded by goodwill. And the implication, it talks about it in videos, the implication is they're not. Uh, because they hold on to hurts out of the past, they will not forgive people. Then what happens is back when they're young, things are done, and the resentment starts, they, they will not forgive, and this relationship is damaged. Time goes on, someone else hurts them, or they hurt other people. I mean, they hurt a lot of people, usually. And, but it's always other people's fault if someone's hurt. And they, they won't forgive that. And because there's no forgiveness or reconciliation, these relationships are damaged. And time goes on, and other, other things happen. There are hurts that come, they will not forgive. And so this relationship is damaged. By the time they have lived somewhere a long time, they have surrounded themselves with ill will. They tend to be lonely, old people. Now, they're implacable adversaries. Once they get stirred up, they will not quit the fight. The scripture says in Proverbs 29, 9, If a wise man goes to court with a fool, uh, the fool only rages and laughs. And the, literally what the verse says, there is no getting down off the horse. Once you ride into this thing, it's not going to quit. So once they engage in an argument, you cannot placate this person. You can never satisfy them that it's all done and settled. And they will keep up stuff for years. Because of this, they tend to be avoided by other people because they are just so hard to put up with. Uh, early on, uh, they are more sociable, but as this thing grows and blossoms fully in their lives, people just don't like to engage this individual. They tiptoe around them in families. They tiptoe around them on the job. They tiptoe around them in churches. Now, these are the porcupine people. Now, they're just really hard to relate to in the long haul. Like one of my friends said, you know, porcupine's awful hard to pet, but it does have several good points. 
These are just, they're just hard to relate to. Uh, this shows up. Well, let, let's go ahead with the, their forecast. Uh, they make a career out of being upset by other people. Well, we're going to go a little bit more into the control idea. But they make a career of being upset by other people's failure to cooperate with their own correct plans. This, this is often the mother-in-law, you know, the classic mother-in-law. She knows exactly what her daughter needs to do. She knows exactly what her son-in-law needs to do. And she's really putting the pressure on to get it done. Or it could be son and daughter-in-law. But she's out to control this new marriage. And if they don't do what mama says, there's going to be a blow-up. As a matter of fact, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, as life goes on, they tend to become more alienated and isolated from their families. Uh, like, like I said, it's hard to pet a porcupine. Uh, from their friends, by the bitterness of the past, and they live in this environment of ill will. They have fewer and fewer friends. Uh, the bitterness and resentment increase with time. Uh, this person in old age is a very sour person. They tend to be denied inheritances, Scripture says. What I'm saying here is all said by the Scripture. And I've listed a bunch of verses. You can check these out. They're the verses that will say these things. Uh, they tend to be denied inheritances, which are more likely to be given to wiser family members. They stir up so much trouble for the family that whenever mom and dad finally are through, <laughs> I just don't leave much to them. Uh, they're the only fool associated with wasting diseases. Things that destroy your health and take your life slowly. Uh, the other fools can get killed. The scripture says some are going to die early. But disease is particularly associated with this person. Um, the Psalm 107 talks about this. Amid drastic disease, they might get converted. Scripture says. Otherwise, ultimately, their resentment and upset will kill them. Now, we talk about personalities that are drivers and angry, angry type personalities, and they're high risk for a heart attack. That, that's this type of personality. Um, very often, uh, just again out of my studies, I said the Casile problem tends to be a guy problem. Uh, th this is Harold and not the Holy Spirit or the Scriptures. Okay? You got that? But as far as I can tell from dealing with people, this is especially a female problem, a woman's problem. And there's some, there's some reasons. The control issues come into play. Uh, the, way, the way ladies tend to be wired, uh, their hearts are hurt easily. And they don't want to be hurt. And one of the ways you keep from being hurt is you develop a control approach to life. Now, not only ladies do this, but guys. Guys can do it too. But especially among the ladies. Control becomes a real issue. And uh, in the early days, uh, the attempt to control friends, you know, the attempt to try to reshape yourself so that other people respond to you rightly, and you, you can have the response you want by controlling your own body, you know, through bulimia uh, or anorexia. 
Uh, you, it's an attempt to control others' response to you. There are other things going on, but this control issue is in here. Uh, the attempt to control boyfriends uh, and then ensure their loyalties. Uh, in marriage, uh, boy, if you marry someone, you can really get hurt by them. So more and more and more, there's, there's, there's a drive to try to control this marriage situation so that I'm not hurt. Uh, as children are born and life gets more and more complicated, the pressure to control increases and the difficulty of maintaining control increases too. The guys tend to have the casil problem, you know, avoiding responsibility. And when these two marry each other, you have a real zoo at home. <laughs> he is not acting responsibly enough. If he doesn't act responsibly enough, she, she and, and the kids could really be hurt. So she's got to try to force him to be responsible. And so she begins these pressure games to try to make him be responsible. But being a good casil, he knows how to lie about things. And he can give her exactly the answer she wants, which isn't true. And her, her attempts to control turn, are so frustrating because he turns out not to be controllable. And his attempts to avoid responsibility just get him verbally abused and all kinds of rejection at home. And these, these two things feed off each other. I did a conference one time for married people. And a lady attending the conference, a very high-gear lady, I... Uh, after we talked about the veals and casillas, um, people got up for a break, and she just sat at her table like this. And she's a very talented woman. And I walked over. I said, are you doing okay? She said, oh, yeah. I said, um, what are you thinking? She said, I am a committed veal married to a committed casile, and that's the story of the last 15 years of my life. Trying to make the irresponsible responsible and unable to create enough control to get the job done. Now, he needs to grow up and be responsible. And she needs to come up with another strategy for dealing with life. Now, I'm not saying that all you ladies are evils, uh, but your friends could tell you if you are if you would ask them. Now, I'm not saying you're all people of ill will and resentment and all this stuff yet. But watch this. Watch this. If you don't, if you, if you do have the control tendency and you don't deal with it rightly, what happens to you is repeated disappointment and hurt and disappointment and hurt and the hurt builds and over time the resentment begins to build and the bitterness sets in. So watch this. Now, ladies can be casillas. Guys can be avils. But this control and irresponsibility syndrome plays in all kinds of marriages. And both strategies just don't get it. Uh, I picked for this person the badger. You know why? Badgers, badgers are not very big. You know, a big one will weigh 35, 40 pounds. 
But they're one of the fiercest animals on earth. Now, a friend of mine was hunting in Alaska. He lives in Alaska, the interior. And he'd gone on a hunting trip. And uh, a couple of days into the interior, uh, he came across a badger. The thing was coming down the hillside. And its back was completely bitten out. I mean, the spine was gone. The thing was still moving. And uh, it, was, it was torn up pretty bad, but its back was gone. And he shot it out of mercy to it just because there's no way it could live. It would die slowly. He said he went on, and uh, several hundred yards later, he ran across a huge grizzly. I said the thing was sitting on the trail that he was on. And he said he, he at first, you know, he was shocked because he anticipated he was going to be pursued. But he said the thing just sat there. And so as he looked at closely, he looked more closely, he could see blood all over it. And he says he looked even more closely. He said the, fa- the thing's face was torn off and its eyeballs were gone. And he shot it out of mercy. <laughs> nope. It had tangled with a badger. It weighed 1,000 pounds, 1,100 pounds. The badger only weighed 40 pounds. But you know, like they say, it's not the, not the badger in the fight, it's the fight in the badger. Not a very big badger. But it took out an animal a lot bigger than that. And whenever, whenever people let bitterness grow in their lives, and they will not forgive people, they will not be reconciled to people, uh, there, there's that, that kind of bitterness and hatred become implacable. You cannot satisfy these people. You don't want to walk down this path. In terms of volume of information in the Scripture, uh, there's the most volume is on the Castile. The next most is on this character. This is a fairly prevalent thing. Uh, this may set the stage psychologically, if the way psychologists deal with things. For serious illnesses, we might call them psychosomatic. And also for psychotic breaks. Because this person is out to control the universe. And the further life goes the less control they have. I've known several of them who finally hit the point that they begin to build a fantasy world in which they have control. Now, this is just not a healthy direction to go, friend. Uh, they, these people become, as life goes on, demanding controllers. And that, that upset and quickness to fight becomes their way of manipulating and getting what they want. The problem is... Whenever you get thing, get what you want that way, life goes sour. But you know, you can feed off of bitterness for a long time. It's not a happy life, but you can feed off of it. If you've had a tendency to bitterness, friend, quit. You, you, need, you need to abandon it. You may need to talk to someone about how to deal with this thing. But if you've been a demanding controller type, uh, here's some thoughts for you. Uh, you need to you need to change this. Uh, first of all, let God direct other people. 
Or let's say, let me say it another way. Resign as general manager of the universe. Let it go. Now you got a roommate and the roommate just, they don't hang their clothes up right. Well, it just really gets all over you. They're just so sloppy. As a matter of fact, whenever they get up in the morning, they don't even look right. (laughs) Now, this person has standards for everyone. Some of their favorite words are ought and should. And, you know, meetings happen. You go to a meeting. Nobody, Nobody led that meeting right. They've got their own standards. They know how people ought to talk. They know how people ought to think. And people just never quite measure up. Let God direct other people. Quit trying to control. Don't try to control your roommate. They got a problem? Sit down and talk to them. But don't do this upset. Give them the cold shoulder. Hope they die. (laughs) No, communicate and start to try to work through stuff. If you've been hurt in a relationship, forgive that person. If you do not forgive that person, you're going to drag this mess with you through the rest of your life. Forgiveness is the only thing that cuts that loose from you and gives you a free future. Don't try to control other people. Now, focus on your own life. Evils tend to be focused on everybody else's. Focus on your own life. Work on, work on what you're doing, not what everybody else ought to be doing. And then forgive others. Learn how. It may be hard for you. Jesus says, Matthew 5, 23 and 24, that forgiveness is so important that if you're going to worship, it's, you, you, you need to get forgiveness before you even worship him. You can read the verses, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Learn how to forgive others and start developing the practice. It'll be hard at first, particularly if you've been really hurt by people. But you've got to learn this. Fourth, reconcile relationships. Don't just forgive But whenever hurt does occur, pray for God to help you reconcile that relationship. And that may take a year, two years, three years. But ask God to help you bring peace in. I don't mean to put it all back together where everything's just so rosy and wonderful. But just to bring peace between you and the other person. You see, what God intends for us is as we walk through life, rather than all this stuff of getting hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt, what God intends for us is that we develop friends early on in life. And that as life goes on, we'd be able to enjoy the treasure of those friendships over the years. But if you're going to enjoy the treasure of friendship, friend, you've got to forgive other people. You know who gets divorced? Husbands and wives. Why? <laughs> because they spend all that time around each other. The more you spend time with each other, the more opportunity there is to hurt each other the more necessary it is to forgive and seek forgiveness. If you have close friends, the close friends will be able to hurt you more than anyone else. And they may accidentally do that. If so, then you need to talk this thing through and bring peace. If you'll do that, then over the years, you can take your past on into the future with you and enjoy the life you've built. If you do this other thing of unforgiveness and holding grudges, you know what happens to you? They actually become geographical places in the country you cannot go back to. You know why? Because so-and-so lives there. 
you might run into them in the grocery store. Your life gets smaller and smaller. As a matter of fact, you become a person backing into the future. You're focused on the past. You lose all your creativity for the future because you're so focused on the past. You just back into the future looking at the hurt of yesterday. Let that stuff go. Turn around and face the life God wants to give you. The evil. Uh, the badger. I, I think personally a real good image for what they need to become is an ox. Oxen are very, very strong creatures. I mean, these people are strong people. They're very strong creatures, but they're creatures in the service of others. And the veal, who's so used to demanding others do such and such, the veal needs to become someone who, is, who uses their strength to be a help to people, not a demander. They need to, they need to develop helpful, helpfulness out of their strength. Um, the Avil is the number two on the list. The, the next person down the list is a cycle. C-A-K-A-L, pronounced with an S. It's spelled with a C because there are two or three different S sounds in, in Hebrew. But cycle. Uh, he also, she also has a self-defeating strategy. Again, guys can be Avils, guys can be Casils. Ladies can be Avils or Casils. They may also be this type of person. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people, Jeremiah says, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. The foolish is you cycle people. And they, they hear, but it doesn't register. They see stuff, they don't get it. Ecclesiastes 10.3 says about this type of fool, even as he walks along the road. Now this is a pretty simple condition, just walking along the road. Even as he walks along the road, the cycle lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. Uh, This is pretty bad. You can't even handle the simplest of circumstances decently. And everybody, after a while, everyone knows it. What's being talked about here? Here, Here's a profile. Uh, This person, uh, the other two fools, have very little grasp of God. Well, this person will actually probably believe the God of the Bible. Or, or some God, anyway. They believe that if they're in the Christian realm, they'll say that they believe what the Bible is true. And they, what it says is true. They, they believe all of it. They'll talk about God. But what they believe never, never really touches their behavior. Their beliefs are here, just sort of floating up here, and their behavior is going on down here without any contact with what's floating up here. So they appear to be very religious. And never their beliefs never impact their daily decisions. They believe that down underneath it all, they really can't sneak past God and have the fun they want. This is the fun way person. Their values, the thing they value more than anything else. You know, the Casile, uh, they value rest and play. The Avil, they really value their stubbornness and getting their way. This person... They value the gratification of their desires. They want something real bad, and they're going to get it. It's usually related to their passions. Uh, Their attitude, their life is controlled by the thing they've locked on to. 
Now, this person locks onto a desire, and they hang on, the, hang on to that thing. Actually, what tends to happen is once they lock onto their desire, the rest of the world just sort of goes away. And this is all they see. And they get drawn like a moth toward the flame. Any of you see Bugs World? Remember the little bug at the beginning? Don't go near the light, Herman. But it's so beautiful. <laughs> okay. Well, this person locks on. And there they go. Uh, the term itself means, uh, if it's in a verb form, it's someone who makes incredibly, it's, it's an incredibly stupid decision driven by blind desire that leads to just disastrous consequences. It's used in a verb form a bunch of times. And in terms of the noun, this is the individual who does those incredibly stupid things. Now, their key tool for the Casile, it's lying. For the Avil, it's getting upset. Their key tool is denial. Once they lock on, they go into denial. Uh, performance how they act in life, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that denial. Uh, they're religious. They believe in God, but they won't fear Him. They won't obey Him. They talk much, but walk a little. They're hot to trot. That's an older expression, mean, meaning that if the illegitimate thing shows up, they're ready to go. Are they ready to run towards sin? They operate by blind desire. We'll talk more about that in a second. They're blind to spiritual truth and consequences. Uh, you can talk to them about the consequences of their actions, and it's, it just falls on deaf ears. They, they hear, but they do not understand. Really don't perceive reality too well. Oh, how are you doing? You saying something to me, boy? You know, they, they think they know what's going on. They, they don't really grasp what's going on. And then when they try to respond to it, they're real clumsy and inappropriate. That's the way this person is. They're, they're almost like a drunkard. They don't re- their, their view on life, once they get into the desire, their view on life becomes very skewed. And they just don't see things right. And what they try to do just is rather, rather stupid and inappropriate. Uh, they're determined to have the desired goal they focused on to. Once they lock on, they're going to do this thing or die. Uh, they are reckless. They'll take extraordinary risk once, once, once they've made the decision they want this. Um, David did, did this once in his life. He was not a sackle fool. But there are several places in Scripture where Scripture says someone sackles and then they regret it. Uh, David, King David did this at one point. Uh, David had ordered that all the fighting men of Israel be numbered. So they did a, a census to find out exactly how big the army was. That was not the kind of thing that the king was supposed to do. As a matter of fact, his commander-in-chief, Joab, who is not really that good a man, said, David, if you do this, God is going to be ticked and we are going to be in trouble. And Joab tries and tries for several days to dissuade him from doing this. David will not hear to it. He is determined to have this thing done. 
Well, Joab goes ahead and conducts the census. It takes months. It takes about three months to get this done. Almost four months. And David, once he's locked onto this thing, he is going to do this or die. It takes months, and he is still determined to do it. Joab actually doesn't number all of them because he doesn't want God to get him. He leaves a few guys out. And finally, he gives the report to David. And when the report comes in, a prophet from God comes to David and says, You have done wrong before God. And the Lord now gives you three choices. You know, what's it going to be? Fleeing before your enemies for, what is it, three months? Three years of famine? Or three days of disease from the hand of God? And David says, let me fall into the hand of God. And a disease begins in Israel. 70,000 fighting men die in the next three days. Whenever, Whenever David is confronted by the prophet, David, it finally dawns on him what he's done. And he says, I have sackled. The scripture in English says, I have acted foolishly. But he says, I have sackled. I have, I have done this thing that is so incredibly stupid, and now it's going to bring disaster on my people. 70,000 die. Uh, several other people do this in the scriptures. You can check it out in a concordance. Uh, the, way, the way it works, someone locks on, and no one can tell them no. And they, they just will not be dissuaded. They're gonna, this is going to happen no matter what. And then, too late they realize this was this was really incredibly stupid. So, then trouble trouble hits. Uh, whenever that kind of decision-making becomes a way of life, that's when the cycle fool has arrived. It doesn't usually start all at once, but it begins with one instance and then another and then another and then another, and then this becomes a way of life. Now, these people are, they do incredibly stupid decisions. They get to the point, they can't even handle the simple situations, finally, because they're so impulsive. They develop a public reputation for being incredibly stupid. They live very deprived lives. Scripture says that their sin deprives them of the good things of God. So they tend to be poor and tend to be very beaten up by the circumstances of the world. Uh, when this becomes a pattern of life. They also don't have a social conscience. Scripture says that they just sort of aren't concerned about justice in the society or the world. And, uh, weirdly enough, they turn out to be a fan of arrogant spiritual leaders and false prophets. I, I was part of a street ministry for many years, and I saw this kind of thing lived out in front of me. Over and over and over again. We'd deal with guys and ladies who were uh, very religious. I mean, they could talk all kinds of Bible fact, but they, they didn't obey. And we'd try to help people get into jobs. Uh, they, they might get a job and even hold it for two or three days. But then a friend would come along with a bottle of liquor or... You know, the guy'd be working at the store and some good looking woman come in and he'd be in the back room with her and the cash register unguarded and the boss would walk in and say, What is going on here? Because once he'd locked on into his desire for her, sort of the rest of the world just went away. I heard a lady talk about this on TV. 
Uh, and interestingly enough, Dr. Phil was straightening her out. And he did some pretty good stuff with her. But she, she was into shopping. And her husband's getting ready to leave her, leave her because they had $100,000 credit card debt. And she said, you know, it's, it's sort of like when I go into the mall and I see a sale. She said, I stand there and I look at it. And it's sort of like the rest of the world just sort of goes away. I thought, I know that one. Uh, sometimes this is drugs. You know, people try to get out of drugs. And uh, they, they have been beaten up by life because of the drugs they've been in, alcohol or other stuff. They, they've been really beaten up by life. And they, they're so tired of being hurt. And they really want to straighten up. But then after a bit, you know, somebody something reminds them of the drug. And they lock on. And the world just starts to go away. Until they have that experience again. Uh, sometimes it's sex. I promise you, sexual, you know, heterosexual or homosexual. Person locks on and then the world just sort of goes away. The longer this goes on, the more impulsive the person becomes. Uh, did you ever hear the boxer shorts bandit? To help myself out one time, uh, I, I wrote up how these different fools would rob a 7-Eleven. And I'll go through it for you at the end whenever we do this thing. Because they all have very different approaches. Uh, and I came down to this pool and I was trying to figure out what would they do. Well, they're very impulsive. They respond in the moment. They don't plan ahead. They, these people do not future. And uh, so I wrote up that this person would probably enter a 7-Eleven and realize, man, there's a good opportunity to rob this store right now, so I'll just do it. And uh, they would do it some way uh, off the cuff. And then probably get caught because once they got out of the store, they would think they were okay. A little bit after that, an article came out in the newspaper about the boxer shorts bandit. Uh, he had walked into a convenience store and realized that the, in the situation, it'd be very easy to rob this thing. So he went to the bathroom. He didn't have any disguise. He, he went to the bathroom. And in the bathroom, he pulled off his pants and pulled off his boxer shorts and put them up on over his head so he could see out of the hole in front. <laughs> this is a truth. The guy came out and using a comb, pretending he had a gun, he robbed the store and then left. They caught him a little over 200 feet away. <laughs> he was just hanging around in the crowd. But he was the only guy in the crowd who was six foot nine. You know, they've got those marks on the convenience store doors. Uh, just incredibly stupid. But you know, he comes to a point now where he's living life on impulse. And it hurts him. The forecast for the cycle, he lives by his desire so long as he becomes impulsive, driven by blind desire for the thing he's locked into. Once, once they lock on to the desire, whether it's a relationship or sex or drugs or whatever, once they lock on, the desire is all they can see in the, in the world and, and consequences just go away. They will have this thing or die. 
And then they have it, and then the consequences strike like a tornado and just rip their lives to shreds. They get all beat up, but after a while they heal up. And then they lock on to something. And the, the cycle, cycle goes around and around and around. His irresponsible choices means he never prospers. He lives deprived all his days. He's an easy target for more wicked people since he's so impulsive. We're going to talk about some predator types who really enjoy these people. They take advantage of them. They manipulate him. If he does realize his mistake, he tends to realize it too late, just before the consequences hit, but right before the tornado strikes. In the long term, his folly will lead to his death, Scripture says. An animal? I pick the incredibly stupid dodo. Anybody, anyone of you know about the dodo bird? They used to live in the island of Mauritius. Uh, some people say they got up as much as 400 pounds. They were so, they were so stupid. They were large birds, flightless. They're so stupid, they'd walk up to people and people would club them to death and then eat them. That's how they died. They're only, they only, they have a few images in museums. Uh, but, you know, you, this person, once they lock on, if there's a predator around, the predator can take them easily. Uh, psychology possibly sets the stage for a, the addictive personality. Uh, if you have, if you've moved in this direction yourself and you start, start letting yourself go and you're, you're starting to become impulsive and locking on to things, you need to get out of it. Uh, first thing, talk the truth to yourself. Talk about consequences of your choices. Talk the truth to yourself. Uh, secondly, cut off wrong friends. Because if you've gotten into the impulsive thing, usually you've got people that go into it with you. And they will have you into it in no time. Cut off wrong friends for a time. Till you get straightened out. Think before you decide. This person looks after they leap. Think through what's going to happen to you if you do this thing. Learn, learn to think through. Get someone to help you think through. And then stay put. What this person tends to do is move from location, neighborhood, or city to city. Uh, in the in the new area, they can sort of redo the game with people. If you stay where you are, people know your games, and they can help you get straightened out. Stay, stay put. And then begin to look to others' needs. Uh, what, what they tend to do is they tend to get locked onto what they want. Start opening your eyes to, and be a help to other people. Rather than a dodo, you need to be a war horse. You need strength that's under control, not just running loose. The war horses, they're mighty creatures. But, you know, they responded to the slightest touch of the the knight who rode them. And you you need to get your desires under control and have mastery over those things. Lord Jesus can help people do this. Now, these are three. We're going to come back and look at the peacock and the alligator. But these these are three. Again, what I want to say to you about these is, these, these these tend to be sort of packages, life strategy packages, uh, you may find one and one that appeals to you and one and another, some parts of different ones. The Lord Jesus, whenever he comes in, enables people to deal with these things and to change. That's why he is so crucial in life. Because without him, 
It is really, really tough. But with him, you know, all things are possible.